A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the NXT 2.0 review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions. And the round of the week completes with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamflet. Michael Cedric, off work today. Get well soon, mate. But let's talk about NXT 2.0. Hamflet, what did you make of last night's show? I'm feeling great, Wilbon. And I'll tell you why. I think it has been six months off the top of my head, maybe longer, in fact. Maybe it's getting on for a year. I, uh, I don't recall because there were so many um, releases last year that a lot of them all you know, kind of blend into one a little bit. But it has been too long since we watched NXT. And it gave us a chew! (laughs) But it gave us a big one last night. And I cannot wait to dive in to, again, one of the only things to generate discourse, one of the only things to generate um, debate, discussion, emotion! Christ, remember emotion on NXT! (laughs) And ultimately, one of the only things uh, in quite a while, I think to highlight that buried deep within this neon landscape presided over by Kevin Dunn and Vincent Mann and all of them guys, a desert rose of creativity growing through the Mm. grains of bland sand in the form of this character. And we have to celebrate it now because in six weeks they will have killed it. (laughs) So I want to toast that in great detail. And I think my enthusiasm for it probably bled over to the rest of the show. I don't think this was a good wrestling show, but I was feeling good about it this morning because I was on such a high from that segment in the middle. And it's a high that I think, in our defence, we called. Yes. We were kind of pro that gimmick for what it offered rather than immediately castigating out of hand as just another silly NXT character. So like, I look forward to talking about that and I'm wondering, like, it's going to be in the live experience for this because I feel like as we go through this review, I'm going to decide whether or not I enjoyed this whole show or not. Yeah, I liked the Wendy Chu stuff. I quite like the main event stuff as well. 
And then there was a lot of other stuff where I thought, what on earth are you doing here? Mm. But we'll, we'll get to that in due course. Uh, the show opened with the new NXT champion. Well, a video package, first of all, showcasing what happened in New Year's Evil. And then the new NXT champion, Bran Breaker, came out uh, for an in-ring promo. Gets nice, you deserve it chance from the fans. Thanks them. Thanks Tommaso Ciampa. Calls him a great performer and an outstanding human being. Talking about the fact that Tommaso post-match went and paid respect to his father, Mr. Breaker, one must assume, yep. uh, who was sitting ringside. They had a brother, didn't he, as well? Was, uh, it, was it Mr. Breaker and Brother Breaker? The Breaker Brothers. That's the one. Love those guys. Um, but he uh, he says, you know, now he's looking to the future. That's what champions have to do. Uh, he says, we don't have any days off around here, though. If anyone wants some, come get it. Just remember that if you come in to train, I've already trained. If you're watching film, I've already done it. I'm the freaking NXT champion. He walks out, and there's a little moment as Santos Escobar makes his entrance for his match with Zion Quinn between the two of them. Um, short, sweet opening promo from the new champ. I thought it really got over, hopefully, the character he's going to continue to be on this show. And Escobar's a great first challenger. Escobar is a great first challenger, and we're led to assume, not just by their little face-off in the um, the aisle, but then the match that came afterwards, that maybe he will be the first challenger. A great working challenger to help bring um, Bron Breaker along. I'm mixed on this whole presentation. Um, we called it down to exactly where it went on the show, didn't we? That mm-hmm. he would be the one to welcome us to Marinara. Um, <laughs> such is life in an NXT produced by the same people that produce the main roster. This is what they see their champions as. And, like, Champa was a square peg in a round hole doing that, wasn't he? We yes. all kind of had a laugh at the war game stuff. And Breaker is out of the box WWE ready, so they're going to build him, they're going to mould him in this role. Exactly. But I would rather not see too much of the milk toast monster. Like, I don't want any more of this. You can kind of do it once. He's won the belt. He's paying respects to the champion. He's acknowledging his dad and all that sort of stuff. Never again. I don't want to see... I always use the comparison of Diesel smiling on the front cover of WWE magazine, and we saw a way too literal interpretation of that with Raka Gonzalez. It wasn't the only thing that derailed the title reign, but it was one of several. Um, what people like about Bron Breaker is his ludicrous intensity, which we all can like, feel a little bit of genetic, even if it's not. Mm-hmm. Even if he built this all up himself, we're allowed to believe there's some good genes there. Um, and this was dialed back to such an extent that it kind of diluted that. So you get one go at this. I never want to see thankful, grateful, hardworking Bron Breaker again. I want to see the Bron Breaker that was pushed into the position in the first place. So back to where we're at next week, please. And Santos Escobar, who we didn't call yesterday, we were trying to cycle around for a heel, weren't we? Ideal. Like, for so many reasons, an ideal first opponent. Such a good opponent with his stable setup and everything like that, that they used him to babyface carrying cross when he returned from injury, mm-hmm. if you recall. So um, I see no reason why they don't go that route with Bron Breaker too. Yeah, exactly. I'd have Bron Breaker wrecking dudes from next week. Doesn't have to cut really any promos. Then maybe gets attacked by Escobar because he said, come and get it effectively here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you, like you say, as part of the build, you've got Bron Breaker wrecking the rest of Legada del Fantasma effectively and, yeah. and having to counter their involvement. You know, one-on-one, he's got probably got the power game to outdo Santos Escobar, and we all assume he's obviously going to retain in his first title defence. But, yeah, it's going to be a hopefully really good match, and there will still be that question if they can use the numbers game for Legado. Do you know what I was thinking as well? I would, like, 
And this has made us at very least speculate on a rivalry. So they've done something right in that regard. With just a passing moment, which I guess is a bit of vintage NXT ramp booking, isn't it? But with just a passing glance, they've at least allowed us to speculate on possible angles. I went further, obviously following the outcome of the next match, um, to thinking, well, they could do a bit of in-universe storytelling here. Bron Breaker could find a friendship in a female on the roster, and then you have somebody set away with Electra Lopez. And I know that, say, right now, Kaylee Ray is going to be channeled for the um, mm-hmm. NXT title, but she's hard as nails and really intense, so she could be yeah. there, hypothetically, and there's other women, it was just one that came to mind, to counter the Electra Lopez effect, and then you're kind of able to build two stories off that. I like and that. It's, it's like very, very small, low-grade world-building, but this show always needs that. Absolutely. Uh, then we got the match, uh, Escobar versus Zion Quinn for the right to own Electra Lopez, I suppose. Mm. Uh, Zion Quinn makes his big dramatic entrance following Escobar uh, and attacks him before the bell to take the early advantage. Uh, that takes us into a break. When we come back, Escobar has got uh, Quinn in an ankle lock and we see that he hit a uh, tope suicida during the break who'd been distracted uh, Quinn, that is, by a whacking wild at ringside. Um, Quinn starts making a comeback, but again, the numbers game. Mendoza gets up on the ring apron, distracts him. Uh, Escobar allow, uh, That allows Escobar to clock him from behind. Uh, he goes to uh, ram Quinn into the steel post when they're fighting on the outside. But Electra Lopez steps in his path and there's confusion. And whose side is she on? She's on the God of Phantasma side because after stroking Zion Quinn a bit and making eyes at him as he turns to get back in the ring. She kicks him in the cock. Uh, He gets chucked back in the ring. Escobar hits the phantom driver. One, two, three. Electra Lopez screws Zion Quinn, Hamlet. A bad and predictable angle with a bad and predictable match for the bad and predictable payoff. So little I liked about it. His work was fine, but we've long gone past the point of giving... A passing grade to decent work. We go on about this all the time. We're spoiled wrestling fans now, and you've got to work a level above mm. to earn high praise for decent work. This wasn't that. This was okay work. Um, I don't like it when... The, the thing I dislike the most about when NXT mirrors the main roster is not wrestlers coming from Raw or characters that are really stupid cartoons. It's when they do that thing of making you ask even the most basic questions, and then it underpins like all of it Mm. has Zion Quinn ever really expressed an overt interest in Electra Lopez or was it in fact just you know awkward glances and sexy stares and all that sort of (laughs) stuff Um, did Electra Lopez ever outwardly um, suggest that she was willing to be put up as a piece of property in this storyline should she have been a, a bargaining chip in the first place like who who is stupider in this angle? Oh, it's us. It's always us. And let's not forget that this started with with her seducing, to a certain extent, yeah. Zion Quinn. With, with what end goal? To eventually screw him down the line? And the optics are really bad because this show hates women fundamentally. Like, at its core, this show still hates women. Um, I mean, there's two vignettes to cover on this show that, <laughs> you know, sucks. But, like... This is more of that. This is more of that extremely dear. Like, you know what you could hear in this? And this is not a dig at Jim Ross specifically, but you could proper hear Jezebel yeah. in this. And it's just like, how am man? Like, it's 2022. Maybe actually try and understand the words you're supposed to be giving to Joe Gacy and you wouldn't run angles like this. But you don't. You're being given words that you don't understand what to do with and thought processes that should be left in the past. This And like, we've just talked about how... Um, like, 
both Fantasma as a stable and Santos Escobar as a contender would theoretically be ideal for Bron Breaker. But he's now got to come off the back of a pretty big failure of an angle in a match. So it's not the best platform for him, even though he's pretty good. Mm. Rubbish. We then got a promo from uh, Tony D'Angelo ahead of the uh, crowbar on a pole <laughs> match. Um, I've written it verbatim, because of course I have. Yeah. Everything else I've just gone here. Yeah, Mandy Rose said something about holding uh, the title and being sexy, but this, but, but yeah. Pretty Poppins, he says, uh, there's uh, 16 different ways to use a crowbar, but tonight I'm only going to need like, what, three? He says, hey, I try to be a nice guy. I tried to let you off with just a little broken hand, huh? And now you want to come back at me? Oh, big mistake, big mistake. He says, tonight, you're done. You're finished. Kaput. He didn't say the kaput. (laughs) I swear, all I wanted was a lousy mouthpiece, a nice little trophy from war games. But you, you don't want to listen. You're like my monstrum boy. (laughs) I got to teach him not to go to the bathroom on the rug in the apartment. But like my dog, you're going to learn tonight, Tony D., is in charge, you fucking schmuck. <laughs> Again, I've gone too far, but build to the crowbar on a pole match. Did you win the Tony D'Angelo predictor? Because I, I apologize, I was struggling to remember exactly what it was you predicted, but I remember in response to your prediction, Sidgwick said, the dog use crowbars? <laughs> so whatever it was that you concocted, Somehow must have related he to dogs. He didn't quite quote Mary Poppins, but that I'll take was it. it. That was it. It was a spoonful of sugar, wasn't it? I don't know. Dogs came up then. Like, ah, oh, I think it was in your promo. Like, beat it like a dog. Yeah, but I was like, we were two dogs fighting over, oh, a, fighting over a crowbar. So they've heard that and they were like, yeah, but they didn't say Stromboli, did they? <laughs> Thanks for listening, WWE. Uh, and then uh, we enjoyed that. It's just a fun Tony D'Angelo yeah. promo. Then we got the vignette of Mandy Rose. Uh, she is standing. With the bikini on, poolside, uh, wearing her NXT Women's Championship, uh, and she talks to the camera whilst this is all going on, and uh, telling them to get to get her good side, <laughs> all of her sides of the good side. Uh, she said she arrived in style at New Year's Evil, left with a title. She makes the uh, NXT Women's Championship look hot, uh, and NXT Tupelo is all about Mandy. So keep watching, keep staring, keep wanking. I know you. Are- <laughs> One of them she didn't say, actually. I know you will. What was the in, in, uh, implication here? God damn it, man. Regular listener, Hugo. He's getting a few shout-outs this week. He is. Uh, he's one of a few, what I can only assume, tone-deaf people that seemingly have been earnestly complimentary about when I choose to sing on these podcasts. <laughs> this is going to undermine that because, like, I just imagined this with, like, a EDM soundtrack from, like, one of David Getter's like R-rated offcuts. So you're watching this video and all like tits, 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 ass, 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 <laughs> sex. Keep looking at the tits, 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 tits. <laughs> like just like like knowingly male gazy doesn't make it right for being so male gazy. Just because like we know what you're doing. You're looking at Mandy Rose. You're having a stare. Look, Wade Barrett's even accusing Vic Joseph of doing it. We know who you are. It's like, yeah, and we know who you fucking are as well. So don't patronise us with this. Just because Mandy Rose is saying it and it's all in character, because we've got this and the other one from later on, which we can do as well, can't we? Yet again, in a bikini uh, for a photo shoot with the title. There is nothing fundamentally wrong with a, um, a woman's champion in a role that, like, she, like, owns a sexuality and uses a sexuality to get results and all that sort of stuff. The group are called 
toxic attraction. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it till I am, well, not blue in the face, neon paint splattered in the face. <laughs> this show hates women, and it is unacceptable, right? They might have every now and then, and I think we're going to get to one on this show. Yeah. A match substantially better than most of the main roster matches at present, better than quite a bit of AEW's yep. women's division. But, like, look, I was going to say read between the lines. Read the fucking lines. <laughs> Listen to the lines. Listen to the soundtrack I've given you for all of these. Tits, 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 tits. Ass, 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 ass. Like, that's what you're being instructed to think about here. Like, she's doing that thing, you know, like, I see you staring. Well, yeah, you do, because that's all we're being instructed to do <laughs> by your gross bosses who, like, if we haven't got our in hand, they've got theirs. Yeah. I just don't... If anything, if anything, the people are like, get that title out of the way. Yeah. Blocking the view. God, man. Like, aye. Mandy Rose, great. Um, Toxic Traction have developed some traction. I wouldn't go as far to call them the most dominant forces in NXT, but WWE.com's copywriters would. Uh, I just... Is anybody... It, is, is this for anybody anymore? Like, anybody? Well, yeah, it's for the... Well, no, no audience members, but it's for, for, for people. <laughs> is it for more than four people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, next up, I uh, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I had my cock in my hand, but it wasn't because of Mandy Rose. It was because of Kevin Graff! <laughs> to the moon! Uh, he faced Damon Kemp uh, in a bit of a squash match. Um... The only real thing of note here was Malcolm Bivins coming out, uh, potentially scouting for the Diamond Mine. I mean, they have literally just lost a member. Um, mm. he, uh, he even started applauding when Kemp managed to hit a suplex on Grimes. But after that, it was all Grimes. Flying crossbody, nails him with the cave-in, celebrates and yells that he's coming for gold. More on that later. Fairly straightforward squash match, this. Yeah, like um, Cameron Grimes squashes. It's sometimes... The reality is, because they always start a Cameron Grimes angle with the squash first. Mm. That's the, the first chapter of every Cameron Grimes angle is him just beating some nobody with the cave-in after about three and a half, four minutes. Troublingly, it's sometimes one of the highlights of the whole angle. <laughs> and then they reset it, and then you get another Cameron Grimes squash. You're like, yeah, right, what's Cameron Grimes going to do next? Oh, a 15-minute match is not going to be as entertaining as the four where he just battered some jobber. So I hope that this kind of books that trend a little bit. Um, Bivins, as a talent scout for the Diamond Mine, is always going to be undermined if wrestlers keep getting released. Mm -hmm. And we've said this before, stables are kind of only... And look, this goes right the way to the likes of like the pinnacle, even in AEW. This is not a, a WWE bias thing as such. Stables are kind of only as good as the outward success they achieve. And like they're walking a tightrope at the moment a bit with Diamond Mine. Bivens will always try. We know this. Roddy Strong will always wrestle as Roddy Strong. Uh... The Creed Brothers, not even like, it's raw materials. There are good, yeah. but I don't know where's their credibility at the moment. Yeah, well, if, you, if you're the if you're the stable scouting, you're supposed to like have these wrestlers desperate to be offered a deal, and I'm not so sure there's that much heat around that at the moment. No, no exactly. Uh, but more on Cameron Grimes in due course. Instead, we have to talk uh, about Joe Gacy and Harland before we get to their match with Malik Bladen and Idris Anofe. Uh, Gacy cut a promo. He wanted to express their gratitude being allowed to participate uh, in a Dusty Rhodes Classic playing match. They won't squander this opportunity, Michael Hanfler. They'll remember it for the rest of their lives, and they're planning on using the platform to demonstrate, no matter anyone's size, skills, or experience, anyone can succeed in the tournament. And to you, Malik Blade and Idris Anofe, you're in a safe space tonight. Oh, this again. 
Yeah. I've, I've got no left for this. I was amazed, absolutely amazed. And if I missed it in a promo or you somehow missed it in your recap, I await the correction on Twitter. Amazed they didn't say, it's not just a Dusty Cup. It's a participation trophy. And we want to give one to everybody. <laughs> like, how? You know, is, is that because that's too on the nose and accurate? And that might be actually sensible use of this dialogue that Bruce Pritchard thinks he's got all figured out. I don't know. Like, I was certain that was coming. Um, it was well-delivered nonsense. What do you yeah. want? Like, uh, like Joe Gacy I mean, does less it. buzzwords, I suppose, this He does time. a fine job with this. This is crap. Yeah, he's, he's someone I hate. So he's achieving his role. Not the wrestler. The, the character he's playing is someone I want to see get their head caved in yeah. while simultaneously being terrified of the cue ball next to him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just every time I go, oh, here we go. What are we going to get off, you know, woke Twitter today, effectively? Yeah. And so, and then, well, we'll talk about the match in a second. Before that, big breaking news. Barn Wagner has <laughs> been suspended and fined for, well, attacking the WWE audience, the universe, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, if I want to go to a Von Wagner watch party, I don't want to come back with two black eyes. But then, I'm just going to talk about this uh, at the same time, because I may forget it later on. Later on, Vic Joseph went, oh, by the way, uh, his suspension's <laughs> been lifted and his fine's been paid. By who or what's happened, we've no idea. I'll, uh, that's what I call a story arc. That's right? it, yeah. A show-long arc. Bit of a detail for you there. Um... I think they've done that for our benefit, in truth, because they were thinking about next week's bullet points for the, oh, pre- for the yeah. preview. Yeah. And they were thinking, Wilborn's going to have to write, Von Wagner suspended? <laughs> Question mark, exclamation mark. Hospital pass to the Dadly Boys. Now it's who's Von Wagner's mysterious benefactor. It's just a more interesting question for one of their favorite podcasts of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess... And Robert Stone's probably favorite podcast next week. Yeah. And I guess it's... A more interesting question than giving it a week, only to find out that his suspension has been lifted. Uh, Von Wagner is so weird that the weirdness of his own energy clearly extends to his stories. Because to set up and pay off this over the course of 45 minutes... Yeah, wasn't it? It wasn't like the start of the show. It was no. like the, about a third in and then two thirds in. Yeah, middle, middle. Like, And you could have easily missed like one, one of both. the details. Yeah, <laughs> Like, quite something. Uh... I am enjoying Von Wagner rolling on like an episode of Monday Night Raw. I can't wait to see what comes next out of this. Yeah, I'm really excited to preview this show next week as a result of that. And my pitch already, just so I can get first in. And when uh, Punk got suspended and his mic got cut off, and then the next week he said, not only am I not suspended, not only is my match back on, but he's got a loud hailer. Tonight I brought back up. <laughs> Von Wagner. I, was, I, imagine I like you, CM Punk. You've got an ice cream bar. <laughs> he puts the, the loudspeaker in front of his mouth and it's not even on. <laughs> Is this too loud for everybody? Von, it's not on, mate. What? It's not on. Did you say barn? <laughs> on. Maybe the Mr. Benefactor, uh, Jimmy Hart. I was about to say the heartbreak kid. <laughs> I, I like you, Jimmy. Your surname's Hart. <laughs> he's got the mouth. He's got the um, loudspeaker. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We booked it. Oh, I'll tell you what. We're stepping on our toes. Von Wag- you next Von, week. Von Wagner, like the mouth of the north with the mouth of the south. So then, Dusty Rhodes Classic starts next week. Yeah, and I thought well, fairly obvious that we're getting 
Joe Gacy and Harland mm-hmm. in this tournament. Um, admittedly, you, there's an argument to be made. You put Inofe and, and Blade in, no offense, to just be you know, first-round losers to a team. But what the f*** was this? So Gacy starts things off. He goes a bit back and forth. Um, he, well, he takes advantage, actually, of Inofe. Uh, hits the Uranagi, gets a two-count. Uh, Malik Blade comes in, drop kicks. Uh, they hit some double-team moves. Uh, Gacy tries to manage to get out of there, tags in the terrifying hard land who comes in, starts beating the crap out of Malik Blade, um, gets sort of warned once that he's getting close to a five count in the corner, and then just starts like shoving his forearm in Malik Blade's face until the referee counts to five and then calls for the DQ. So Malik Blade and Idris Anofe qualify for the Dusty Rhodes Classic, and I don't know what happens to Joe Gacy and hard land. I mean, they're presumably going to politic their way in. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, where where are really starting this? So, Joe Gacy and Harland are either not going to be in the tournament now, and this is going to be probably Joe Gacy's next angle. Like, they've they've probably looked at Harland and thought, small doses, lots of small doses with Harland. Don't overexpose him. So, you either book him in tag matches like this, or you keep him as um, Joe Gacy's heavy, and you you keep Gacy in singles matches. So maybe that's why they're out at this early stage. There was a certain air of last Wednesday night, everybody's asking for unique disqualification finishes, and WWE were like, we've got unique disqualification finishes <laughs> at home. Um, because unfortunately for them, they've not got two and a half years of very loyal, a very loyal finish policy that actually allows for this to be unique. Disqualifications happen all the time. So this just feels as cheap as all the rest. Mm. Even though this might, might, I don't want to get exposed by this take, might feed into a, a bigger story about Anofi and Blade's success throughout the tournament. The Dusty Cup is proven to be a bit of a magic wand for NXT over the years. Tournaments have succeeded in spite of factors, shall we say, that mm. should have should have doomed them to failure. Tournaments are great anyway. Yes. Like, even idiots can book tournaments really well. Um, you look at a bracket, and there's several ways where you can um, create positive outcomes for lots of the people involved. You can have finishes that feed in not just to the next round, but to infuse separate from the tournament. So, Inofi and Blade have qualified via the creatively the most laziest of means. And I will just say this about... I've made this comparison to AEW's DQ finish with Punk and MJF and Sean Dean. Um, I was a big fan of that. Because I kind of thought that, like, over time, Sean Dean would grow incredibly resentful of um, CM Punk for what happened. He's gone the other way with it online. And it's been fun, but he's been kind of giving MJF grief. He's been, like, talking about his record. And he's kind of been celebrating that. I think wrestlers come across really nerdy when they celebrate wins like this. So I would like Inofi and Blade's story in this tournament. We're telling stories to be that they know they got in through a bit of luck in the next match, they actually prove themselves and they win gallantly. Mm. They're baby faces, so they win gallantly and they're, they're a surprise package for the tournament, but maybe you shouldn't sleep on them. Maybe you should start taking them seriously. You could get a team to the final on that, on the strength of that. You really could. If you wanted to make a couple of baby faces, you could get them all the way to the final where they lose in a competitive effort or to a semi-final where some heels cheat in a more favourable fashion, in a more grizzled fashion. Some heels who've been practising cheating, maybe. Some heels that know how to steal 
a win as well as somebody's lunch order. Um, Don't tell me there's going to be three years of Crystal Young veterans losing in the final of this tournament. I mean, that's in itself a story. Tournaments are great. The Dusty Cup is potentially very good. I, like, I don't mind the possibilities. I'm not suggesting any of them are going to happen because I did not like this finish. At its root, I didn't like this finish. Just give me MSK, Grizzly Young Veterans again in the final. I think it's great. I think that's ideal for a, a tournament final rematch. And then let's have Grizzly Young Veterans win, maybe? No, they'll um, ah. try and win when they steal the boot off the top of the trophy, but swing and miss. Of course. And then MSK get a roll-up. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, we got a vignette next uh, from Imperium. They're talking about their principles, uh, uh, hard work, integrity, honor. All you Americans, you're you fat, gluttonous slobs, and you're snobby, and your bell ends, and blah, blah, <laughs> blah, and the mat's sacred. All I would say, Michael Hamlet, is, well, people in glass houses... <laughs> Very good. Um, what, I, I, I can't, I'm astonished. If you'd have told me six months ago, Imperium are going to be really good. Yeah. Um, they've done this before with these vignettes as well. It's quite. When we talked about Imperium being boring in the old NXT, we were completely correct because a lot of the old NXT was quite boring. And then you start ranking who's the most boring <laughs> because you're looking and think, oh, Christ, got two hours of this and this grim Capital Wrestling Center setting and everything's really grungy and hard work. And it feels like a weight on top of it. It's like, right, what's the lightest weight? And then you start ranking the guy, well, I, I quite like them. And oh, Casey Canzaro does a flip. Adam Cole's amazing. Like, oh, Christ, these are the worst of the bunch. This is different now. Mm. Like, they are 
boring in context and as a result become unboring and the matches have ruled. So it'd be one thing if the matches were still drab, but because they're awesome, Imperium are suddenly like what the last thing the show needs is a splash of colour. Mm. So Imperium provide the opposite of that and stick out as a result. And I just I think it shouldn't have maybe we should have seen it coming, but to be fair, I don't think like not often enough did we have the matches as evidence. I think without the matches, yeah. we would probably still be thinking how are they still on this show? But now we know what they do in their title defences, their promos are quite welcome. And this could be a, a really genuinely good bit of long-term NXT 2.0 booking with an MSK Imperium title match down the line. Yeah. Like the polar opposites. You know, I, didn't, I don't, still don't think necessarily MSK should have lost those titles. But if you're going to do it to create a story like this, I'm getting more and more on board with it. Well, this followed on from that Gacy and Harland disqualification, didn't it? Mm -hmm. So maybe, and again, we are possibly giving too much credit here, maybe the sequencing was a clue. Maybe the big upset that Nofi and Blade are going to get is over Imperium. And the reason that promo was like, look, it's all about your principles, the way you take your wins. You don't trust this. This matter isn't sacred. You'll, you know, maybe the, the implication is that, well, we've just seen two wrestlers that didn't consider the matter that sacred because they're kind of celebrating backdooring at the tournament. What a huge victory over Imperium that would be for those two one, to one the, solidify their cause as a real tag team. One of the few times that I'd not necessarily allow, but go easier on a stolen roll-up victory yeah. of just like, they're taking this a bit light on. Like, mm -hmm. I know that they are the tag champs and Fabian Eichner can do insane things, but them doing the pose ever, after every move mm -hmm. and what have you and shouting out Walter put the match away first, then do all that bollocks, and that's where you get rolled up, and I think, yeah. and the, a shock-faced... The one to three go, kid Razor Ramon, yeah. rather than a store one sit on the ramp for Monday Night Raw. Win. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, right, then we got the crowbar on a pole match. Uh, we done. Versus Tony D'Angelo. Um, immediately, they pretty much both try and go for the crowbar, uh, which is obviously... Hanging off one of the off a post, hanging off one of the turnbuckles. Uh, D'Angelo hits a suplex uh, to fight back, and that takes us into the break. When we come back, uh, Dunn is uh, still uh, suffering, but he fights back, hits a neck breaker, uh, goes to the crowbar, but D'Angelo stops him uh, and manages to grab the crowbar himself uh, after hitting Dunn with a suplex. He goes to hit Dunn with it in the hand. Uh, he sort of targets him a few times, tries to isolate his hand and. and and break it again, just like he's done previously. But Dunn managed to escape. He fights back, gets the crowbar off him, uh, and puts D'Angelo in a crowbar-assisted chicken wing. Uh, but D'Angelo backs him into the corner. Um, he then gets a two-count because he hits a crowbar-assisted neck-breaker. Targeting Dunn's injured hand. Um, Dunn manages to put his uh, opponent in a triangle. D'Angelo gets his feet to the ropes. Gets up. In the midst of all this, Tony D'Angelo has gone to the outside to get a chair, which he can't use, of course. The crowbar is the only thing allowed. Uh, so that sort of back and forth with that. That's in the corner of the ring. And um, D'Angelo sort of double legs done onto the chair, sends him a bit goofy, hoys him into the pole, the post that they had the uh, crowbar hanging off of. He turns around straight into a crowbar shot between the eyes. Tony D'Angelo gets the victory. Oi, um, I'll be nice first. They had, they put a lot of thought by their, I mean, Pete Dunne, Tony D'Angelo and whoever else helped out with the construction of this match. They put a lot of thought into, A, 
Tony D'Angelo saying he had, what was it, 18 different ways to use a crowbar or something like that, and, and trying to show us all of them. He said he was going to use about three, and we saw a few more than that. So mm-hmm. that, that there was almost a little bit of crowbar law. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, like I, I admire that in principle. Um, B, Pete Dunn was, I'm not suggesting this was like a carry job for the ages, but you know when you're watching a match where somebody is wrestling for two, and Pete Dunn was like really trying like my word he put a shift in for mm. our for our tony here and I, I can't not admire that even in the face of what was a bad match um i thought the execution at points was bad to the point of immersion breaking and that's when we're critical of it yeah these wrestlers have got to get better nxt is more of a developmental than it's possibly ever been wish for a better person to work with than someone like pete dunn they lay these matches out with the veteran versus the newer greener wrestler in order to try and bring these people along. So it's a, a lot of, never mind NXT 2.0, it's catch 22.0, because <laughs> a lot of these matches are, well, you've got to have them to get better, but you need to be getting better if you're going to have them. Um, they should, and this is, again, not on Tony D'Angelo specifically, it's more on Kevin Dunn, I guess. He's got his finger on the button again. Why so show motion replay the finish where you could fit Hornswoggle in the gap between the crowbar and Pete Dunn's face? Like... You miss him by it. It's not real. I'm not expecting him to actually cuff him with a crowbar, but don't expose yeah. how far off they were on that one. The hesitation around the stuff they were doing by the table was really disjointed when it should have been part of this, wow, like all of these different crowbar moves. Um, I liked I liked Pete Dunn's willingness to show desperation when he did the crowbar in the mouth spot because Tony D'Angelo had done that many things with it or had at least attempted to do that many things. Dunn was like dragged down into the gutter yeah. with him. I, d- I like, a lot of this was a case of everybody really trying, but I don't think they could quite push the boulder up the hill no, I think on that's, the night. I think that's fair. Obviously, I was ecstatic for another Tony victory because I just love seeing whatever they do next with this character. Uh, I'm hesitant to suggest a world title challenge anytime soon off the back of this. But I, I just, you know, to, to heap praise on him because I know... I rib him a little bit with doing his voice and what have you. But I just want to remind everyone my adoration for someone like Pete Dunne. Because what I love about Pete Dunne matches is not only, you know, how excellent and different they are from Mm. a lot of other things. But I always think when you've been in a match with Pete Dunne, win or lose, you know about it afterwards. And I just love that, that he carries that with with everything that he does, even when he has to put, like you say, a greener, younger uh, well, not even necessarily younger, but know, yeah. greener, uh, uh, you know, fresher, uh, fresher, newer to the scene opponents over. It's not the biggest stage. Nothing on NXT is anymore. Um, so waiting around for takeovers and or takeover adjacent events is probably irrelevant. I would love it if this was it for Pete Dunne. I would love it if Tony D'Angelo could claim that he'd kind of chased Pete Dunne out of NXT and they just sh- or get off the pot with him in terms of the main roster. NXT UK is... It's not dead, but it's on life support until Nick Khan spots it. Yeah, nice it. rumble surprise, Pete Dunn. Great rumble surprise. Just try it. Like he, we assume he signed whenever it was that his contract talks was up in the summer. Whatever he signed, he's still so young as well, Pete Dunn. He's like twenty four or twenty five, whatever it is, years above many of his age. Um, not even close to his prime. Like, let's just see what happens on Raw SmackDown. Have him come in and uh, really torture Sami Zayn whilst Johnny Knoxville watches on. Yeah. Pops off like they do in, in Jackass. And then you've got a ready-made 
feud for you. Welcome to the main roster. You're going to fight with Sami Zayn and probably produce some potential five-star matches if given the time. Really, really good. Like, uh, there are a lot of guys. This is the thing. Pete Dunne is never... He's not never going to be WWE champion or Universe champion or whatever. He's never going to be Vincent Mann's favourite wrestler ever. But he absolutely looks like one of them ones. Your point about how people look once they've fought Pete Dunne. I think he's going to stare at that monitor and see something real feeling. And I think he'll, he stands as much chance as any, but any of the other like sort of more recent call-ups of, of getting over. Imagine being a tag team with Kevin Owens, just torturing fools. There's a lot you can... And like, as a, bear in mind, he worked quite well as a babyface yeah. at various points. So that he's, he's versatile in that regard. Unlike Tony D'Angelo, he should probably take a cue from his namesake. I mean, he seems to be related to half of the family in The Sopranos anyway. <laughs> but, you know, like, you don't see, unless he absolutely has to, Tony Soprano doing much of the uh, the legwork in his family. Let's mm. wakey more talky from Tony. Unless they get IMO. Unless they run this back, get Stromboli in Kennel from Hell match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we got a series of vignettes which it's, it's, I'm pissing here. <laughs> uh, we had uh, Grayson Bloody Waller previewing his match with AJ Styles. Says uh, he's in the main event. That's where he's destined to be. He's going to be staying there after he beats Styles tonight. Maybe he's going to go to SmackDown. Slap Rain, slap Nakamura. Everyone else tries for WrestleMania moments, but he creates Grayson Waller moments. Um, and we get a little bit in the back with Indy Hartwell and Persia Prata warming up. And uh, Wendy Chu waking up. And uh, <laughs> more on her in, in a second. And then we got another... Photo shoot from Mandy um, and a, a, a little whole sort of toxic attraction vignette. Um, they say the thirst for toxic attraction is at an all-time high. Do you get it? They uh, kids, tits, 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 ass, 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 ass. Are you looking? Are you staring? Checking out my titties, titties, ass, ass, tits, tits. It's toxic attraction. It is that bit. What is it from? It's in Twenty One Jump Street when these uh, they take something and one of them's in a in a. Uh, visual realm that the t- tune is ass and titties <laughs> ass, ass, titties, titties uh, they, speaking of ass, they kick ass in the ring they break hearts out of it, there isn't a tag team in the world that can touch them they're not just toxic attraction Michael Hamlet. they're the attraction right, I don't particularly like um, the toxic attraction act I don't know if that's come across in our reviews <laughs> I really want them to win the Dusty Cup um, they deserve uh, I as uh, the work is middling, but they deserve legitimacy as champions beyond being sex objects. Yes. So that, like, it is not their fault that they are in a company that, in a brand, especially at the moment, that books women like this. So I hope they win the Dusty. They're the tag team champions. They should be. They should be able, as the champions, to say we're the best team in the world, and it not feel like somebody's taking a piss out of them. Mm. And that's what it does, doesn't it? Like, so the belts haven't established them as being the best in the world. I hope they win the cup too and like let legitimacy become like, why, why, why do they have to be toxic in the first place? Mm. I hope they don't. Um, <laughs> right, then we got the six woman match. It was Casey Catanzaro, Caden Carter, and Amari Miller. Speaking of which, Broggs and Johnson uh, are watching backstage because they want to uh, crack on with Carton and Catanzaro. I really hope that storyline was left behind, but apparently not. What happened? When the camera pulled away at the festival and Brogs and Jackson were going, whoa, was it having sex? And they were staring at it. Or were they like just so... The camera, when in film and television, when the camera pulls away and it's left, especially on two like bug-eyed goon blokes, the implication that, well, actually what we're missing is tits, tits, ass, ass, (laughs) titties, titties, ass, ass. Like, that's the implication, isn't it? It's like... Mm -hmm. 
if only you could see what we could see, and you know, you're supposed to all that like, God, I'm, I'm really glad it's 2022 everywhere, but NXT 2.0. <laughs> um, that was never paid off, was it? No. But this week, we could see what they were watching, and they were still kind of like They're just weird, obsessed with two two girls they've got no shot with, basically. I hate Brooks and Jogson, me. I, I hate them. It's going to be another storyline, like you say, in the, oh, bloody hell, aren't women awful? Of like, see, even if you think that really attractive woman who's paying you no attention doesn't like you, even if you look like Brogs and Johnson, you can still get the women. Yeah. And they're going to like turn up one week with flowers, aren't they? And like, I don't know, Casey Cotton's are or whatever, we're like, I'm not really interested. And, they, and they, she's going to be cast as a bitch. Yeah, because it's like, it, it's going to be a physical embodiment of DMing Casey Kanzara going, oh, I really like you. And then uh, two minutes later, when she doesn't reply, yeah, shove it, you bitch. Yeah, block. <laughs> like, I, 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 like, maybe, maybe they've got a little surprise. <laughs> maybe, like, you know, Braggs and Jimson, uh, like, gonna, Casey, Caden, we want to go out on a double date. And Caden's like, I'm just not interested. So they do that awful blokey thing that you see in films, and they both just round on Casey. And they're like, oh. what about you then? And then mirroring one of the best things he ever did in NXT, Ricochet returns to drop kicks them from off the screen. <laughs> that absolutely blasts them. <laughs> and he's just like, I think you said, look at me. Yeah. And then they ride off into the sunset together. That'd be the nicest way to do it. Anyway. Doesn't matter about all that, because this was all about yes. Wendy Chu. Uh, when the match started, she's brought a pillow to ringside. She's still in her onesie. She's got fucking slippers on. Absolute legend. She's napping during the match. At one point, I think the fight spilled to the outside, and I looked up, and she wasn't just sleeping in the tag corner. She was sleeping on the top rope. The it, was sort of, it was like Eddie Guerrero-esque, but he was sleeping. Yeah. Amazing. Basically, anyway, and we've got to talk about the bit. Uh, apologies for disregarding the rest of this match, but it's all about Wendy Chu. Mm-hmm. She stole the show. Uh, Wendy Chu tags in and yawns and sort of matrixes under uh, Amari Miller, who goes to clothesline. What a creative spot! I know it didn't. We talked about this before recording. It doesn't really make sense, and Amari Miller's got to go awfully high with that clothesline. But what a creative idea! Yeah, at the very least, just that. Yeah. Just goes straight over the top. Uh, and then she fired up. Uh, she got some suplexes on Miller. She even got a two count. Uh, they all come in at this point. Um, Chu curls up on the mat and has another nap. <laughs> and then a bit like all of us, I suppose. I can't remember who went after her. Uh, it was uh, it was um, Miller goes mm. after her after they've all come in. All six of them are doing spots. Miller goes after her and reacts like I do when someone wakes me up on the weekend. Oh, <laughs> just kicks her, tags in Persia Prata. Persia Prata um, hits a face buster. Indy Hartwell comes off the top with a diving elbow, gets the victory, and Prata and Hartwell look at Wendy Chu like, oh, you're good. Yeah. Uh, what did you make of all this? Well, they nailed it, didn't they? They absolutely nailed it. Um, perennial shout out on this podcast, as long as this gimmick is fun, to Haley, our one of our regular listeners often from quarantine and from other places. Check her out uh, if you ever see her on Twitter. She was the first person to point out that they were having their own go at Orange Cassidy. And in week one, they've nailed it. The whole point is everybody misreads the challenge up ahead of them by, in Orange Cassidy's case, the guy that doesn't give a toss, in this case, a woman who is literally asleep. Because why would you? Why would you think this is a problem? Why would you think this is a threat? And then Orange Cassidy tries. Wendy Chu wakes up. And 
all hell breaks loose, and it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. You are taken. It's not just from like zero to a hundred because that's kind of what most wrestling sports. It's like zero to a million. <laughs> like you were taken a from negative to yeah, a million, one complete extreme to another, and it plays out magnificently. Uh, it's NXT, so they still push the talent too far to do daft things. Amari Miller saw MJF's accidental bump the other week and thought, "I'm going to do that as a dive." <laughs> Absolutely, like heart in mouth moment. Yeah, they just kind of help themselves. Otherwise, like a really well worked match, and um, bit of a standout night for Miller because somebody has to be the one to sell the most and, like, really help get this mm-hmm. gimmick over. And she was the best at that. So that didn't get lost on me, certainly, that I thought, right, this is a kind of a hard job. You've got to come out as this dancing baby face with these other two, like, mugs doing their festival shtick, knowing full well that this match is, uh, this six-woman match is completely about somebody else and getting a gimmick over. And I thought she, like, applied herself gamely to that task. Um, but, man... Like Wendy Chu Point. Oh, like who else is the show about but her this week? Yes. Like in the nailed- words of in the words of Andy Murray, get on the choo choo train. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Nailed the gimmick. Like in the vignettes beforehand, and now especially in the match where it really could have died on the vine, couldn't it? Absolutely. Like if this, if the the work wasn't spectacular, say like she wakes up and slaps on a headlock, you're like, well, actually, I'm going back to sleep. I think you've had the right idea, Wendy. So she nailed the gimmick um, straight away. The look was fantastic. Fuzzy slippers over wrestling boots. Incredible. Um, the pillow as a perfect prop. One week, that's going to have a weapon in it. That's going to be class. The um, the looks that um, Persia Prota and Indy Hartwell were giving her, absolutely tremendous. They have Where's they have, this come from? They've had to pause Persia Prota's eventual turn on Indy Hartwell because they've kind of stumbled into, oh, it turned out Wendy Chew's worked out for the best. Maybe things will be all right. It's not going to be all right. But, you know, you can, as you say, where's this coming from? We do that. A total success story. I hope she doesn't... This is the, the opposite of Bron Breaker. I hope she doesn't wrestle next week because the more they do this, the quickly the novelty... Will, look, even in AEW, a well-booked wrestling promotion, they overdid it with Orange Cassidy, yep. right? So this is WWE, for Christ's sake. you got a month of this if you're lucky. If it's up to me, well, I would say this, they do my fantasy booking and have a appear in the Rumble because I think this gimmick is so good that if... The klaxon wakes somebody up and Michael Cole is scratching his head going, what the fuck is going on here? And then Pat McAfee, who loves NXT. You never seen Wendy Chu? She just likes a nap. What's wrong with that, Cole? We all need a bit of sleep from time to time. Just because the boss doesn't get it, am I right, Vin, man? <laughs> and then Wendy Chu's sort of like dawdling on her way at the ring. She's still, and then she just nods, but I've extended the universe. She's underneath the ring, maybe. Yeah. She sleeps underneath the ring. Well, I've kind of expanded on my idea. Okay. That works just as well. She's underneath the ring, right? I was going to say she's walking down the aisle and she just keeps nodding back off on the, on the guardrail, that sort of thing, you know? Um, and then the klaxon for the next person wakes her up again <laughs> and it's some bully heel that, like, like Tamina or something is just walking down just having a look at her saying, who the hell are you? When she just, when she just wants to sleep, she just wants to be left alone to sleep. And Tamina gives her a shove, and then when she just absolutely batters her, <laughs> kicks, punches, all sorts, rolls her in the ring, throws her straight back out again in the field. And they're like, "What the hell?" And Michael Cole's like, "Oh right." And Pat's like, "See, see, she just wants to sleep." When we've all had a good seven hours, Vince, we're at our fucking best. <laughs> I like. I think this gimmick shouldn't be long for NXT 2.0 because Wendy Chu is clearly good enough at the work side of it yeah. that the gimmick is main roster ready. Loved it. Yeah, I, 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 I will say this. When they first debuted a sleeping woman, mm. I was like, what the hell is this? This is the worst thing well, the they've done on weird. 2.0. It's like, there's like weird NXT backstage stuff happening while somebody's asleep. That's an odd in energy. in the crowd asleep. That's not a yeah. good look, that. No. And then this happens, and I'm sat there going, 
oh my God, like you say, fantasy book and stuff like that. I'm thinking maybe she eventually feuds with a bloody title. Like yeah. you say, hopefully they, don't, they won't go too far with this. But can you imagine like Toxic Attraction being like, right, Gigi Dolene, JC Jane, you go and wreck her. We're not even going to get to the match. And they go, and oh, found her, here she is. Beat the crap out of this duvet, pull it back. Oh, she's not there. There's a, a pillow, body-shaped pillow, and a, a tape recorder playing snoring sound effects. Here she is, jumps Mandy Rose from behind. Mandy Rose can do the whole, you don't, champions don't look like you, they look yep. like me, et cetera, et cetera. But like you say, such potential, this. It's a, it's a big ask to imagine this goes a full year on 2.0 without her either being called up or destroyed. But imagine, like, Wendy chewing war games. And, like, just diving at everybody in a sleeping bag or something like that. <laughs> like, the mere fact we're talking about this, completely, like, it's it's all about the character. Yeah. How often do we have to, like, use a caveat with WWE coverage that, like, oh, we'd love to book so-and-so in this and this and this, but the company's fundamentally broken, so we can't do it. <laughs> we are just thinking about character-based bits to do. That's what we do when we're talking about AEW. I can't think of any more higher praise to bestow upon something. No. Uh, we get MSK in the back, uh, getting excited around the Dusty Cup again. Uh, From the sublime to the ridiculous. Yeah, making yeah. history repeat itself. And then in comes Crazy Dakota Kai. She says, oh, no, I won it last year as well. And then she says, oh, nothing divides friendship more than success. And uh, MSK goes, get that negativity out of here. You know what my least favourite term in wrestling in 2022 is, apart from um, everything that comes out of the mouth of toxic attraction at present? I'm really starting to hate the forbidden door as a phrase. It's starting to really grind my gears. Mm -hmm. Like, it was really fun at the beginning because it was actually forbidden. Like, it is at this point the permitted door because loads of wrestlers walk through it. Like, the... The Mickey James thing, they're trying to piggyback. The revolving someone. door. AW, yeah, AW have created a world where all this is happening. It's really cool. And can we not just now start saying so-and-so is coming from Impact, so-and-so is coming from MLW, whatever. Um, uh, Impact are booking in a ring of honor invasion. Mm -hmm. like, like, let's get back to the terms of people bouncing between places because Forbidden Door isn't forbidden now. Um, I want <laughs> so desperately Dakota Kai to walk through the forbidden door that Mickey James is walking through on the way to the Royal Rumble so that she can work an impact for a bit and get away from this. Yeah. Because I do not trust. We talk about like Wendy Chu goes up with Vincent Man, gets it immediately, do some daft stuff. I think that this is as much a WWE problem as anything like to do with NXT 2.0. This Dakota Kai character is risible. It is making poor use of a great talent. Yeah. And when you see it, it just depresses you. It's, I have no urge. I'll write a thousand think pieces on NXT's glory days. But 2021 was not NXT's glory days. No. I have no urge to go back to Triple H having the pencil there. But at least when he did, Dakota Kai was Dakota Kai. Yeah, exactly. What the is this? Yeah, I'm not a fan of, of what they're doing with her. Uh, did like what came next, though. Kaylee Ray walks into where that photo shoot was with, with Mandy Rose. And she goes, what's going on here then? And they explained, uh, off-camera voice explains, that uh, Mandy Rose is doing a photo shoot. And she's like, oh, right, so she can show up for photo shoots. She can't show up to defend that bloody title. She smashes the place up. She breaks the lamp. She gets her baseball bat out and twats the camera. She does apologize for breaking the camera. But she makes a solid point. And uh, I, yeah, Kaylee Ray in the title picture, yes, please. Yeah, great. Um, she does a bit too much acting sometimes, Kaylee Ray, but the work always more, more than makes up for it. And mm. she really swings that back convincingly as well. So yep. like, the destruction was very, very satisfying, far more so than Alexa Bliss's on Monday Night Raw. Mm. Um, so I got a lot out of the, just the simple destruction of goods and property. And yeah, Kaylee Ray and Mandy Rose could be the match that provides what I'm looking for, which is legitimacy for Toxic Attraction. Like Mandy Rose, you would presume will win. The match will presumably be great. 
And maybe the commentators can just say, well, like, can I just beg for bargaining for? It's not just sex appeal. Like, I'll take that as a qualifier. <laughs> um, I've remembered. I was so excited about Wendy Chu. I was going to make one more point about that match, if we can just briefly go back yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, Because I thought it was worthy of a mention. Did you hear what I assume was affectionate, but an affectionate burial by Wade Barrett on commentary when he was referring to, obviously, Wendy Chu being a quite unconventional tag partner? And I forgot the exact quote, but it's worth the effect of. I've had a few unconventional tag partners in my time. I tagged with one guy for West Virginia that nobody liked. I <laughs> didn't hear that. I immediately thought of two. Regular listeners that were listening yesterday will have realised that the first person I went to was Skip Sheffield. <laughs> he's, a, he's a corn-fed meathead, but he's from Texas. Okay. Second one. East Slater, Wikipedia, West Virginia. <laughs> Wade Barrett lowering the boom on his uh, his old bestie. I thought it was quite sweet. Yeah. You have to assume that's affectionate. Heath yeah. Slater always came across like, your idiot mate who's also lovely. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, then we got Boa versus Sokoa. Uh, and he went to double count out. Look, Gosh. they beat the crap out of each other. Um, Boa chucked Sokoa's head into a steel post. There was a, there was a promo earlier with Sokoa taping his wrists and what have you. Um, Boa hits a double underhook suplex. That gets a two count. Sokoa comes back there with strikes and a sent on. They fall out to the floor and they get counted out, basically. Um, they brawled um, through the performance center. The camera cuts to an AJ Styles interview that I'll talk about in a, se- talk about in a second. Uh, when we came back from that and back from the break, they're still fighting all over the place. Uh, Sokoa chucks Boa over some cases. And then as Sokoa leans over... <laughs> Fireball to the face. Boa pops up with his face paint on. His spooky persona. I don't like this in AEW. I don't like it here either. No. So Boa's fiend, because everybody's got a fiend these days. Boa's fiend is a bit like Superman getting changed in a phone box. Like if you throw him behind an obscured bit of kit, then fear the thing that comes out on the other (laughs) side. Look, WWE, and not including old NXT in this, WWE never understood the demon. They were able to market it relatively successfully, and at least it didn't lose for a long time, but they never understood the demon. The point of the demon was that it took something from Finn Balor just to become... He wasn't just getting painted up. The whole idea was, I don't want to be this creature that lurks within me, but you have driven me to it, or I need to unleash it. It takes away from me just to be this guy. That's Mm. how much needs to be. He's such a cool, inbuilt character choice that it was never magical powers. It was... I lose a bit of myself every time. Fear what Finn Balor unleashes when he has to be this guy, right? That was the point of the demon. Um, they never got it right with the fiend, ever. You know, the uh, SummerSlam. All right, they got it right. You once. and I loved SummerSlam. They got it right with the demon, uh, with the fiend once um, against Finn Balor, dressed all in white as Finn Balor because he didn't go to that dark place because even he was trying to get it over. He'd been in the Bolognese trenches with Bray Wyatt <laughs> once before. He wanted to do his best by him. Um, this is more of that. You, you've made the Malachi Black comparison there, so I will too. If you've got magic powers to just fall behind a crate and become some indestructible, otherworldly monster that nobody calls the police or the FBI about... And someone getting some of fire. Why don't you just live your life like that? Why would you not just do it straight away? It's the same, like, you know, you, The Undertaker, because he's always the example everybody goes back to... You have to apply context to that. Nobody asked, well, just use your magic powers and win the title straight away. Because The Undertaker wanted to be like a noble figure, representative of the dead, but not dead himself. Magic powers took away from that a little bit. Like Kane, that one time, set a guy on fire with his hand. So the question is, well, just 
John Cena, at vengeance, I'm going to set you on fire. And Cena's like, well, I really don't want that. I'll, I'll concede. Yeah, like that, <laughs> and that's how Kane becomes WWE champion. When you start dealing in these magic powers, why would they not use them all the time? Mm. Why would Boa think, you know what I want to do before unleashing this deadly creature that I've got lurking inside me? It's got like 50-50 for 10 minutes first. <laughs> why bring it on yourself? Stupid. It's stupid. Yeah, not And they don't fun. think about it. It's just like... NXT rolls on. As you said, like this was interspersed with an AJ Styles promo promoting a different match. You say that's what I love about these this passion here. And I was like, well, maybe not the best place to put this. This stupid hick thinks the world's flat and yet he's got no problem with a monster happening backstage. Yeah, I'm, I mean, we're going to talk about this on the AW Dynamite preview probably later. But spooky gimmicks. I liked The Fiend. I maybe held on to The Fiend a little bit too long in terms of like, no, it's still good. It's still good. And now I'm to the end of my tether with all this. And mm. I just go, ah. And the moment it went to a count out, I was like, I don't care anyway. And then the moment they were brawling and went away and I went, cool. So you've uh, edited in some footage where you've painted his face. I just was just completely lost on this. I just, any, any trait like that, and NXT 2.0 is going to be guilty of plenty because they're all cartoons. Cameron Grimes, right? We know he's worth loads of money. But because this experience has baby-faced him, he doesn't want to use that money to take shortcuts to the top. He mm-hmm. wants to do it the honourable way. If he turns heel, that's all he should do, right? That's the whole, Ted DiBiossi, that's the, that's the whole point. If you've got wealth, why would you do it any other way other than taking the paid shortcuts to the top? That's the exact same thing, but monster. Like, why would you not be monster guy if you've got monster guy powers? That should be your whole life. Again, from something we really didn't like here... Two, something we really do like. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams yeah. come out to cut a promo. Um, <laughs> Trick Williams puts him over. They have a nice uh, sort of jovial back and forth between the two of them. Uh, Hayes talks about winning and unifying the titles and all that bollocks. Uh, it says it's one of the toughest challenges of his career. Uh, he has a moment of silence for Roderick Strong's cruiserweight title reign. He says, look, I'm, you can call me what you like, but I'm effectively the North American champion. That's, I think that was what they're calling it now. Um um, I've got more accomplishments than months spent in the company. Love that line. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a really good sign of like, yep, he is going to be a mega star mm-hmm. in WWE if he keeps going like this. Uh, like I said, he says, look, we, we unified the titles, North American title, Cruiserweight title, whatever you want to call this title around my waist, this is the A championship. And we have to talk about the fact that he says, uh, rest in peace to all my ops. No, no, not, sorry, not rest in peace. That was what I thought he was going to say. He said, rest in piss to all my ops. Finally, and we knew it'd be a worker, we knew it'd be a wrestler, Fiend's mind has revealed himself. <laughs> and it was Carmelo Hayes. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody had him in the office pool, I think, for Fiend's mind. I look forward to, now that he's been rumbled for this, him just spending all his time on at worst blobby. That is like, it was, it was, I don't want to trivialise this because this was good. This was really it, it good. Was, uh, champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. Very good. Basically, that's what it was, but, yeah. but pissed off. Yeah, pissed off. <laughs> no, this was like, I don't, yeah, I don't want us to reduce this into uh, taking the piss because this was great. Um, again, I, I don't need a lot of the Master of Ceremonies stuff, but like week one is okay to take a victory lap for Carmelo Hayes and Bron Breaker. And I think it is worth mentioning them two in the same breath because we're still in that period where you are looking for the transparent um, like transition from old NXT to new NXT. Kicking an X was a big one. War Games was another big one. They do, just because we all see it on week one, they kind of have to make it clear for the eight-year-olds that have fallen asleep in front of the telly because they're the loyalists <laughs> of the crowd. And I think this is another way to do that, isn't it? You have got now in, and I guess in Toxic Attraction as well, 
But you've got all of the major titles now stewarded by people of the new era. Mm -hmm. So they kind of should be taking victory laps. It's The follow-up is really important, but here's for me especially. I said it last week. Like You can tell your viewers that somebody is a made man, but they've got to feel it to believe it, and he absolutely was last week. As much as we take the mickey out of the new NXT and their you know sort of destruction of the, the legacy that Triple H has created, and I'm not going to just brush all that under the carpet now and be like, well, they've made some new stars, so it was all worth it, because mm. I, I think there's... Didn't have to quite be so heavy-handed, in my opinion, in, in no. shifting their focus to the newer talents. But you look at it now, and you go, right, Carmelo Hayes, he's going to be a main roster star if they book him right, and Vince doesn't think, oh, you're too small or whatever. Trick alongside him as Trick well. Trick with him. It's a great act. And Bron Breaker, and mm. I, I could go on and, and list others now. Wendy Chu, we've just talked about. Yeah. Like, it is starting to bear fruit, I think, yeah. is, is the best way of putting yeah, it. And we got, in the midst of all this... As they do the promo, as they go to leave, yeah, another crossover. So you not only have got Santos Escobar and Bron Breaker, and I know we, we've already got a title. Well, I should mention it here. As, as Hayes left and they go back to their car, the snazzy car that they drove in on, Cameron Grimes is stood next to it. He's got the keys. He says, you know, the old me would be doing donuts, but I'm serious now and I'm coming for that championship. I'm taking it to the moon. So he's going to be the next challenger it could well take the title off him if, in my booking because Carmelo Hayes may well need to be freed up to go further up the card, failing upwards, as we often complain about. But I'd almost allow that to happen because I want to see him in more prominent positions and taking those steps towards the main roster in 2022, in my opinion. But they got another tease here of bloody AJ Styles versus Carmelo Hayes. You want to establish him as one to watch. That's who you put him with. Yeah, again, you you know, you could kind of argue, not so much with the Grimes one. Well, the Grimes one was quite elegant. I want to win gold and I'm going to get to the point and go straight for Carmelo Hayes in a, in a dignified fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, the AJ Styles, less so, but I am an old weathered husk that struggles to get excited about good wrestling. I think I was presented with two potential opportunities for some great wrestling and I will get excited about that. Both those matches yep. are far more than just being shown a pairing. Like, even AJ Styles and Grayson Waller, I was like, okay. You know, like, AJ's AJ. Waller's one of the better, newer guys that we've never mm-hmm. seen before. Maybe this could be all right. But in both those cases, Hayes versus Grimes, Hayes versus AJ, they're the ones that make me like look, actively look forward to seeing them lock up, not... Uh, this could be all right. Yeah, I hope not. I hope AJ can carry this guy to a good match. Yeah, uh, none of that narrative whatsoever. It's like I just want to watch it. Mm. So they, they've, yeah, they've happened upon a couple there. Um, you know, this could be the last of AJ in NXT 2.0 for a while. But I like I, 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 I'm not not interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got uh, AJ Styles finally getting his hands on Grayson Waller. Um, gets the advantage early on. Targets uh, Grayson Waller's leg, hit him with a backbreaker, hit him with a body slam, hit him with a knee drop, got a near fall off that. Uh, hits a drop kick to the outside, sends Waller to the outside, but Waller manages to fight back, hits a draping neck breaker on Styles on the ropes. Huge clothesline on the floor to take us to a break. Uh, as we come back, AJ is trying to set Waller up for the Styles clash, but Waller manages to make it to the ropes, escapes to the outside. He's, he's, he's done his research, to be fair. Um, Looks like uh, Styles, as he chucks Waller back in the ring, is going to hit the phenomenal forearm. But again, Waller knows what he's doing, rolls to the ring apron. So when Styles goes after him, uh, Waller hangs him on the top rope and hits his springboard elbow drop for a nice two count. 
Styles puts him in the calf crusher. Waller makes it to the ropes. Uh, Waller hits a slam. Um, then looked like he was going to set up the, uh, the Styles clash on AJ, but AJ fights back, backdrops him, goes for the phenomenal forearm again. Waller escapes to the outside, runs back in, hits Styles with a stunner for a nice near fall again. Uh, but then Styles, Pele kick, brain buster on Waller, and then he hits him with a phenomenal forearm to get the victory. Yeah, not, not a lot to, like... Not a lot to add to your recap, and I don't mean that as a criticism of your recap. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was that sequence you well described with very few um, moments where I kind of thought Waller was going to win this. Mm. And I I don't even know if that was the intent, but I had to be dragged into something, and I wasn't sensing a great story. <laughs> Grayson Waller's entire heel turn, and I know we're going to get to like an added wrinkle of that in the post-match, but his entire heel turn feels very much something they're like begging us to feel something for rather than something that's actually happening. This is not a guy. It's not the NWO coming in and spraying, you know, like... It's like when they were like, Jinder's a huge heel all of a sudden. I like, I don't believe that the whole roster kind of concentrate on what they're going to get for dinner because they hate Grayson Waller so much. (laughs) I don't believe that AJ Styles was so infuriated by Waller coming to his uh, place of work at Raw and creating that diversion for him and therefore desperate. I didn't really believe any of that. What I watched was WWE being like, who's our most reliable guy to get three and a half stars off one of the young the young kids? And that's what they got, I suppose. Mm. But now else. Like, I, I just felt nothing for this. And I don't know, I don't really know who that's on because was it was it unfair to expect more from Grayson Wallet? Like, it wasn't going to go five stars, was it? No. But I never, like, I'll now think of this match and wonder to myself, was this ever a feud to begin with? Because the match never felt like it was paying one off. Mm. Yeah, it's just one of those ones where you thought maybe going into it when we were previewing it, there could be a shock for for Waller here. And he, he got some, like, sneak attacks or he reversed stuff. Him he, winning was all we would have been able to... would have been something to talk about afterwards. And yeah. without that, what is there really to talk about? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Well, yeah. uh, Styles cuts a promo after the match, you know, puts Waller over. He says, you're good, but you're just not phenomenal. And he wants to introduce Grayson Waller to one of his friends. LA Knight's music hits. Huge bap. Mm. Uh, he comes out. He attacks Waller. who can't believe what's happening. Uh, he fights around the ring with him, sent, fights in the ring with him, clotheslines him out of the ring. His music hits again. He celebrates. There's a little moment with AJ, and then they go, you... And they hug and celebrate, and Waller is just doing the shocked face uh, on the ramp to close out the show. The return of LA Knight. This feels like more Grayson Waller versus someone, not necessarily on his level, but just a more viable opponent, I feel, going forward. Yeah, it's not the worst, this. They tried with War Games, I guess, to sell uh, like LA Knight as a NXT original, as if he'd like sort of done mixed tags with Bailey and Sasha or something. Like, they put him in that group, didn't they? Mm. Uh, you know, an, another... He's not, but you can buy him for the benefit of the feud that he's a Gargano, Champa-esque figure. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that um, AJ Styles is in the LA community um, with their hug there. <laughs> I also imagined that there might be a... And, you know, let's go back to Carmelo Hayes, that they, if AJ was to stick around for one more, you could do the tag match, couldn't you? You could mm. do AJ and LA Knight versus um, Carmelo and Grayson, and another win for the young guys versus the older guys. Um, If only because the one night you get them as a team, you get AJ getting to do his old TNA geeky self. LA Knight's going, L, A, and then AJ pops head and goes, J, like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> and they're called LAG, and that's their team for the night. Not Ladge, like the uh, like LAG, and uh, aye, like not awful. And you're right to highlight the pop because LA Knight got a massive babyface response, and I know that's the easiest to please audience probably in the wrestling world, but it bodes well that they buy him mm. as somebody that matters, even if sometimes that doesn't necessarily come through the screen. Looking back, I quite enjoyed it. It was a bit all over the place in parts, but I quite enjoyed this NXT. We, I'm not in wrestle culture with you a lot, right? Um, I'm not allowed. <laughs> Rightfully so. But whoever you do wrestle culture with this week, I don't even know what's going to happen on Dynamite, and I feel confident Wendy Chu will want to be one of the talking points and one of the highlights. Mm. NXT 2.0 almost never gets that. Unless it's like a pay-per-view week or a big title change, it does not enter the zeitgeist in any meaningful way. As we've proven with our stupid game on the Tuesday preview <laughs> where we just found a word that rhymed with heist. Um, so yeah, like Wendy Chu is a legitimate achievement for this episode, even if I didn't think much of the rest. Well, let us know your thoughts on it on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. You actually can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, we'll be back later on today, previewing AEW Dynamite, of course. But for now, this has been the NXT 2.0 review. My thanks to Michael Hamflet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 